in the context before verse 16, we have Jesus uh, commanding his 12 disciples to go and preach the kingdom of God to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so, before he sends them, he, in verse 16, he begins to warn them about the seriousness and the reality of persecution. And I don't think he's only talking to his disciples that they were going to suffer at this particular moment in time when they were sent out. Because as you've noticed, it take, this persecution takes us all the way to the coming of the Son of Man. So the reality is that that applies to every believer in Jesus Christ. And all of us need to be aware of, of what the Lord is trying to teach us. Uh, it's a thing that I believe that in our Western culture, we're not uh, familiar with seeing your family member being taken away or seeing someone getting beat up or killed in front of your eyes for uh, being a witness for Jesus Christ. And, you know, even it's hard when we go out in the streets. It's hard for me sometimes when I uh, see have someone yelling and swearing and it's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, but this is some real stuff that the Lord wants us to really consider and take to heart. <laughs> um... And we see you over and over, not just in this passage, but in Revelation, Matthew 24, and through all the Gospels and the Epistles, the, the reality of suffering and persecution. Uh, so it's very important, I believe, that we uh, consider this and take it to heart. But I want us to notice that the purpose of persecution, uh, the purpose of persecution, I believe that it's important that we notice that it's for the sake of Christ. And we will see that theme running through this passage, and we see it through the scripture that is for the sake of Christ that we suffer persecution. It has nothing to do with us, it has nothing to do with who we are in that sense of, of our own, but because of our identification of, uh, for Christ. Uh, I want you to turn to, first Philipp uh, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians uh, chapter 1, and just. Read verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And this is a reality that, that we, we not only believe in Christ as our Savior and for the forgiveness of sins and, and all the blessings that come to being adopted as His children and the sanctification, but also it's given unto us to be partakers of the sufferings of Christ. It's part of our Christian life. When we decided to follow Jesus, that came with it. It's not an aspect that a Christian can say, I want Christ, but I don't want to suffer persecution uh, for His name. That is the reality of someone who follows Christ. Um, look at uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. And it is for His sake and for His glory. It's important to consider First Peter 4, uh, verse 16. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So, uh, Peter is exhorting us that in suffering for Christ, uh, to not be ashamed when it comes, but to glorify uh, God by being partakers of that suffering 
of Christ. Uh, secondly, uh, the purpose is, for, is because of the gospel. Not its purpose, but it's because of the gospel we will suffer persecution. Uh, and the whole context of this is about the gospel. You know, if you look at the beginning of verse 16, he says, uh, the wind, the air blew my page. Behold, I send you forth. And the whole context here is for the preaching of the gospel and the kingdom. Uh, so when we bring the gospel to people, it will, it's expected that one way or another we will suffer conflict or persecution. And um, Brother Mark sent me a video of this preacher. I, I don't know if it's in Canada or America, but he was preaching and all these people were coming against him. There was this lady with this little bell ringing in his face. These people swearing at him and just following him and end up kicking him and punching him and pushing him. You know, and that was one of the realities that, that the Lord's been putting in my heart about suffering for Christ and the gospel. And also I experienced a little taste on Saturday. I didn't get hit or anything like that. I cannot compare it with that. But I've never seen a man ever since I got saved so angry and with so much hate swearing at me saying that I was the scum of the earth and all these things. And um, it was actually a blessing in the sense where I just, that verse of rejoice when all men will say all kinds of evil for your name's sake. Uh, I just had this taste of rejoicing because it's for the sake of Christ. And so I'm thankful for that. Uh, but the gospel will cause uh, affliction. Uh, thirdly, I want us to notice that it's for Christ's sake, for the gospel's sake, but also for standing for righteousness, for living a godly life. Second uh, Timothy, I think for the sake of time, I'll just read these passages to you. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, shall, uh, shall suffer persecution. It's not a maybe, it's not a it's possible, no, it's a shall suffer persecution one way or another. Uh, so these three things, I believe it's important that we actually establish that in our hearts and accept it that this is part of our Christian lives and to be, I guess, in preparation of mind and hearts if it comes to whatever extent. Um, so, I want us to understand the reason why it happens. And I believe the reason is because Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 18, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So the, the world has hated Christ before they hate us, but it's because of Christ that they hate us. Um, and then in, in, in John chapter 7, verse 7, uh, this is why they hated Christ. In short, because he said, Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Jesus exposed their sin, exposed their lifestyle, and exposed that light into darkness, and people hated that, and that's why they persecuted Christ. That's why He ended up being uh, delivered to be crucified. They hated Him uh, because He exposed that their works were evil. Uh, so this is what happens when we live for Christ. For His sake, uh, for the Gospel's sake, 
And when we stand for righteousness, because they hate Christ, and they hate God's righteousness, in our lives, and our manner of lifestyle, and how we live, what we say, what we do, and by preaching of the gospel, we're exposing that light in the darkness, and we will experience the same reproach that Jesus suffered when He was here on earth. And that's just our reality. Um, and, you know, in Matthew 24, Jesus says that because iniquity, iniquity will abound, the love of many will wax cold. And so the more wicked the world becomes, the more the light of the gospel will be exposed to them, and the more they're going to... The, the Bible says that the, the love of many will wax cold, that their hearts will be filled with hate. I mean, it's pretty crazy. And so, this is what the Lord is preparing us for. Um, and this is nothing new. This exhortation of being ready and prepared is nothing new. In Acts chapter 14, from verse 21, it says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, and to Iconium, and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And so this was part of confirming the believers. This was part of their exhortation right from the beginning that through much tribulation they will enter the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, I don't know if any of you I did in my early days as a believer but when I started experiencing persecution from family and other believers I'm like why is this happening to me you know I didn't realize the reality of this persecution that will come you know and when it was happening I was like why is this happening to me and so the Lord wants us to know for when it happens um, this is why Peter, in uh, 1 Peter 4.12, he says, Beloved, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though something, uh, something strange thing is happening unto you. Uh, also John, in 1 John 3.13, he says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. So i just bringing all this to know that the, the Scriptures exhort us and tells us to expect this, that, that, that it is a possibility that could happen to us. And so, let's take a look how the Lord wants us to be prepared uh, from verse 16. <clears throat> he says to them, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I believe most of the disciples, because of where they lived, they, they had a better understanding uh, and a picture of what Jesus was saying about a sheep being in the midst of wolves. And they probably knew that without any help for those sheep, sheep in the midst of wolves, they're good as dead. They're done. They're helpless. They're hopeless. And I believe the Lord wants us to... Uh, have this understanding of what we're coming against uh, that we're, uh, we're going he's sending us into a world that is hostile against Christ and not only this he says, he says be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves 
And I believe the Lord wants us to have this disposition of full dependence on Him and not in the armor of the flesh. Uh, he wants us to be wise in how we respond to persecution, how we live our lives. And we will see this in the context of verse 17 and verse 18, that is for, uh, for a testimony. Uh, part of how we respond and how we live our lives is part of the testimony for Christ's sake. Uh, but I want us to know that the wise as serpents uh, to, to, to trust in the wisdom of God in situations like this about when to speak and what not to say and when to respond. Uh, Proverbs 15 uh, from verse 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge at right, but the mouth of fools part of that foolishness. So the tongue of the wise useth knowledge at, uh, useth knowledge aright. So God wants us to have this wisdom that when that time comes and we stand before people and give an, uh, uh, a testimony about it, that we will depend on Him. And He also says to be harmless as doves. The Lord doesn't want us to retaliate. He doesn't want us to defend ourselves and fight back and, and to use the arm of the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. They're spiritual weapons that the Lord wants us to depend on and not in our strength. Uh, so verse 17 it says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. We see there the, the theme of being a testimony for the sake of Christ, uh, but for a testimony also unto them of the gospel that we've been sharing. And I want us to notice that Jesus uh, said that we will be delivered up to councils and be brought before governors and kings. And we see it taking place right from the beginning and starting from with our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he was delivered into the Sanhedrin council. And from there he was taken and he stood before King Herod and Pilate who was the governor of Judea. So Christ was a perfect example of persecution of what will happen. And we also see that Christ was wise as a serpent. He remained silent when he was accused and he was harmless as a dove that when he was reviled, he reviled not. He was silent as a sheep to the slaughter. There you go, Christ, the sheep, going to the slaughter. And he says, you are a sheep. I send you as sheep amongst wolves. We also see the apostles uh, standing before the councils of the religious leaders right from the beginning. Uh, we see Paul that stood before Felix, the governor, and King Agrippa, and eventually before Caesar. Uh, but not only do we see that in, in the scriptures, but we also see that in church history. I've been reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it says this, uh, that in the year 1231, Pope Gregory ordered that convicted heretics, which those who didn't believe in the teachings of the Catholic Church, would be sought and tried before the church court. So all throughout the ages, believers in Christ will were delivered and stand before kings and councils and governors as a testimony. And it's important that we that if it happens to us, that we consider that it's for the sake of a testimony for Christ and the Gospels. And, you know, people in America, I think they're 
in, in smaller measures, they stand before courts when um, they come before, uh, to a Christian who makes cakes for weddings and a gay couple wanted some the, the Christians to make a cake for the gay wedding and because they're Christian convictions and they said no, they were taken to court. So I believe that's the type of things that we will see as the beginning of persecution in the Western world. Um, but yeah, uh, suffering physical affliction. If, if, if you turn to Matthew 24, Jesus gives a different account but explaining the same thing of this suffering when we are delivered. And Matthew uh, 24, uh, verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for uh, my name's sake. And then, many, and then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. So here the Lord adds a very similar passage that when we are delivered, we will be afflicted and maybe even lose our lives. And there's another aspect of the reality that the Lord wants us to, uh, if I could say, embrace or, or be prepared that we could suffer physically or emotionally or, or even lose our lives for the sake of Christ. Um, just want to read to you uh, something from the Fox's Book of Martyrs of what brothers and sisters have gone through the past and you know even Paul explains and describes uh, the persecution and even in Hebrews I think we're encouraged to see the examples of what uh, people of God have gone through uh, but this is from um, the Inquisition during the times of the Inquisition and they said Every method of persuasion was used by the inquisitors to make the accused persons confess the charges and thereby prove the evidence against them and convict themselves. To do this, every method of physical torture known or that can be imagined was used, such as stretching limbs on the rack, burning with live coals or heated metals, breaking fingers and toes, crushing feet and hands, pulling out teeth, squeezing flesh with pincers, inserting hooks into fleshly parts and pulling the hooks out, out throughout the flesh, cutting off small pieces of flesh, sticking pins into the flesh, inserting pins under fingernails or toenails, tightening ropes around flesh until they cut through the bone, scourging with rods or various kinds of whips, beating with fists, rods and clubs, twisting limbs and dislocating joints, the methods used by the sadistic inquisit inquisitors are too numerous and horrendous to list. That is some heavy stuff that brothers and sisters for the sake of Christ have experienced unto death. And this is a reality, brethren, that there could be, we might not, but it could be a time where we could experience this. But I believe that the hardest thing about persecution, uh, for me at least, is not really the physical suffering, but this aspect that Jesus talks about of the persecution that comes uh, from within. 
in Luke uh, verse 21, verse 16, he says, And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kingfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And if you look at from our passage in Matthew 10:21, uh, it says, And the brother shall deliver a brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. I mean, think about that. Think about your own child rising against you and accusing you and taking you to be delivered and causing you to be put to death. Your own son, your own daughter, your father, your sister. This is a reality that could happen to us. And I believe we see this, you know, from Matthew and Luke and in the book of Revelation and all these things. The Lord really wants us to be ready. And that is the saddest thing that it could come from within your own household, Matthew 10, from, in verse 36, he says, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And this is why I believe Christ wants us to love Him above anyone else, because if that comes to happen, our love for Christ will be so strong that we will be willing to endure whatever it may be. He says, He that loveth, in verse 37, He that loveth father or mother more than me, listen to this, is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So the Lord really wants us to establish this in our hearts. Even our parents are even our spouses and, and our kids and our friends, our family, just love Christ supremely and be Him worthy of all, of losing all because He is worthy and His love constrain us. And if Christ has loved us so much that He gave His own life for us, that He suffered and died for me and you so we can be forgiven and have life, why would not be willing to suffer for Christ's sake no matter what? And let his love constrain us. Look at verse 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. You know, I, I don't know if you ever come into this passage or thinking about persecution and death for the sake of Christ. I've always asked myself, if I come to that point where I have to lose my life for the sake of Christ, will I be willing uh, to die for Him? Would I be ready? And, you know, as reading the Word, passages like, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live by Christ that liveth in me. And we've been already dead. We've been buried and dead with Christ and risen alive. So it's no longer us that live. We're dead. This is our, our lives. The old man is dead. Like Jonathan is already dead. My life is not my own. My life belongs to Christ. Mm. And so if I'm already dead, when that time comes, I'm, we'll be ready to die because we're dead. And I like what uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, said in regards to this. He says, the best way to live above all fear of death 
is to die every morning before you leave your bedroom. And I believe this is true. I, I believe this is what the Lord wants us to do, to deny ourselves daily and pick up our cross and follow Christ every day that we wake up saying, Lord, my life is not my own. I'm for you, Lord, for your kingdom's sake and your righteousness' sake. And whatever I have to lose, whatever the cost is, Lord, please help me to be ready. Give me the grace to be able to endure. And I believe this is uh, very important have our minds and our hearts ready for when that time, if that time comes, that we that fear would not fill our hearts and cause us to not want to shine the light for Christ and want us to not share the gospel to people and end up, you know, hiding the life, the light of Christ and be miserable. Um, you know, I think about Lot, how he's just soul was vexed because of the iniquity that was around him and so when he tried to say anything when the angels don't do this says, who are you you know he he's been hiding for so long and just doing his own thing that when the time came he said who are you and so we need to be ready and not allow this fear and be quiet and, and, and be silent and hide that light under the bush so we should shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ um so I want us to also consider another thing. That persecution always doesn't come by the gospel or by living, uh, yeah, by the gospel or, or about telling people about Christ. But the same prince of this world that's been here on earth is the same God of this world that's using the same methods to get the people of God. And I believe that what Satan is trying to do is to corner us to a position where we either compromise or we pay the cost. You know, and I think about Daniel when the decree of, uh, I think, Cyrus or the king that you couldn't worship or, or come and pray to any god except the king for 30 days. And they did that because they couldn't fall, find any fault on Daniel. And so they come up with this law. This bill, this decree. And what did Daniel do that he bunked? He went as usual, opened his window and prayed to the Lord. And he was thrown to the den of lions. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they commanded to do a statue that anyone who would not bow, they will be thrown into the furnace of fire. They, they, they didn't bow. And I believe the, uh, the Satan is doing this. He's trying to corner Christians to either compromise or, or, or pay the price. Um, we will be falsely accused of many things. And I think about, I don't know if you've heard about this bill that they're trying to pass in Victoria, about that you're not, uh, that if you try to change or counsel or help someone in their gender identity confusion, that you will be uh, fined or even put to prison. And they're trying to pass this law. And if you... I've seen in regards to that by that guy named, what's his name, the guy that, Martin, Martin Isles, Isles. He, ex he, he, he shows the extent of this bill, that it's not only to people in Victoria, that if I am contacting someone in Victoria, and they ask me a question about this, and I say, look, uh, the Bible says this, and I'm, I'm getting canceled, and I get caught, I can get in trouble, even though I'm here in Newcastle. So this is a big thing. And this is how Satan is trying to corner us. 
You know, it's going to come to the point where we say anything about the LGBTV or anything about people with their genders and things like that, and people report it, that's it. Persecution will come, and we will stand before courts. We will stand before people and maybe go to prison and get fines. I think the fines from Victoria, depending on how severe it is, it's either ten or 20000 or going to prison, $10,000 for telling someone that Christ made him in his image and that if he created male and female and that you will not be satisfied and you will not be complete until you accept what God gave you, you'll get in trouble. And so this is what could be happening soon if they pass this bill. This bill. Uh, so I want us to uh, just get some comforts of this. And we have so far that it is for the sake of Christ, for His gospel, for standing for righteousness and the severity of persecution and what we can lose and the suffering and the affliction and, and what we will, the realities of what we can uh, go through. Uh, but the Lord wants us to not fear what could uh, come to pass. Now look at verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that should not be revealed and hid that, not, that shall not be known. God wants us to know that He takes notice and He knows and cares for when His children are being afflicted and persecuted and falsely accused. God knows and He sees that. And I want us also to consider when Jesus sent His, his uh, disciples in the context of the Great Commission, He says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we understand that Christ is always with us. We understand that Christ is always with us and that His Spirit is with us. And, and that we get this joy and comfort and peace and His grace in different aspects. But in times like this, fear can come into our hearts and our minds can lose focus of the Lord and see the realities that we can lose sight of the Lord and it'll let us sink. So the Lord wants us to know that He's with us and that He knows what's happening, that He cares about that. And not only this, that He's going to bring into judgment everything that has been done that He will avenge His people. Uh, give place to wrath that God wants us to, to know and to let Him be the one who one day will judge the world in righteousness. And there's nothing hidden that should not be revealed, no secret thing. There's no word that's been said uh, against us or against Christ that shall not be in, uh, revealed in judgment. And so the Lord is our... Uh, he avenges his people. Second um, Thessalonians verse one uh, from verse five says, "Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, talking about our persecution, uh, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you." So God. When this is happen, happening to us, He wants us to rest in Him. He wants us to rest in Him. Uh, look at verse 27 also. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them 
which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fearing him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The Lord is using this to tell us that whatever we know about his truth, whatever he tells us in his heart, exposes sin, go share the gospel to that person in spite of bills and 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 things that come up laws and things that could make us lose our lives or suffer reproach or lose family or be put in prison God says fear not go and preach the gospel what I show you what I tell you I am with you fear not them that can kill the body but fear him who not only can kill the body but cast the soul into hell why fear the Lord why is he saying us to fear him uh, Gotta put a verse from Proverbs. But the Lord, uh, there was a proverb that said that the fear of the Lord is co our confidence. It's in the lines of that. Trusting that the Lord is in control, that the Lord is powerful, and my lives are in His hands. It brings me comfort no matter what I go through. So Jesus says, Fear not. Fear not them that can kill the body. So it's important to notice uh, that um, that the love of Christ is always with us as a strong hope in these times. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 uh, from verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, there it goes again, for Christ's sake, we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We are conquerors through Him that loved us. That if Christ, as I said earlier, if Christ loved us this much and gave His life for me, how can we not be willing to love Him back and give our lives for His sake? And that nothing can separate me from His love. No matter what kind of persecution, to what extent, the love of Christ is always with us. And nothing can separate us from His love. And ultimately, the greatest comfort, I believe, is that to die is gain, because one day we will be with Him. One day we will see His precious face. One day, all our sorrows, all our tears, He will wipe away. And even... Uh, Paul, there in Romans chapter 8, he brings it to that extent of the glory that is waiting for us. And I believe Christ is our greatest reward, that we will be with Him forever. He says, For I reckon 
that the sufferings of this present time, I mean, t think about what we read about the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Think about the, 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 the list, I think is in Hebrews 11, I think it is, about that some would cut asunder. Look about what, in the book of Revelation, what his saints will suffer. And he says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I believe this is the glorious thing about it. That it is for His sake, for the gospel's sake, for His glory, and that one day we will see Him. And in the midst of that, as we go through that, whatever we go through, He's with us. And, you know, Jesus, um, Peter, uh, First Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but in your part he is glorified. And as I mentioned Christ is always with us and His Spirit is always with us and we experience His glory and His love and filling us with His Spirit when we praise Him, when, when, you know, when we read His Word, when we in fellowship, in many ways. But He wants us to know that in the midst of heavy persecution or affliction, that His Spirit of glory rests upon us. And I believe this is a supernatural thing that God is talking about, that while we were, that while we were experiencing this heavy suffering and persecution, whether, whether it's by body affliction or seeing a loved one go, that the Spirit of glory, that Christ is with us, and that He's in control no matter what, comes from Him. And because of all this, brethren, because Christ is with us and is for His glory and the gospel's sake, that to die is gain, and that one day we'll be with Him forevermore, we can completely commit ourselves, commit our soul, cast our whole soul as to a faithful Creator. Because He is worthy. He is worthy, brethren. We live unto Him. Our lives are not... Um, I hope we can say, by God's grace, living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty in His holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, dreaming, de deeming each trial a part of my cross. Amen? Amen? Let's pray.